If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. week's episode of Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and it's just me today, tonight, this afternoon, whenever you decide to listen to this podcast. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Um, I am also just going to like pull back the curtain a little bit at the start of the episode to talk about what's going on. And so, the Pistons have not been an exceedingly fun, pleasant, fun and pleasant watch for me individually towards the end of the season. There are only, I believe, what, 14 games left in the season. And so obviously you've heard the subject matter of what the podcast has been about change, right? It's a lot of draft stuff lately, a lot less like what's happening on the floor and more of like an eye towards the future. Um, you've seen over at Detroit Bad Boys, right? Like, the we the, Sean sent out a tweet about like what kind of coverage people are interested in uh, moving forward as we head towards the end of the season. And uh, I think the, like the runaway winner would just be like if we just ran a mock draft every like if we just did a tankathon spin every single day and ran a mock draft and just did that for the next eighty days or whatever until the draft is. Like I think you guys would eat that up. But like, I want to do something. <laughs> I want to do that, but like, I want to do something like a little bit different in the meantime as well. Um, but finding the different and and you know constructing the different and thinking about the things that are different uh, is taking a lot more effort. And so my current plan for now is to do the podcast biweekly every other week, twice a month, instead of weekly every week four times a month i don't know why i couldn't think of the word for every week until it, it just came out of my head um so yeah that's where i'm at right now that's obviously subject to change um we'll we'll see how that feels we'll see how that goes uh but that's that's where my head is at right now uh with the podcast the other thing about today's podcast in specific is this t- today's podcast is going to be an adventure because normally I plan out these solo uh, episodes to within an inch of their life, right? Like I, I, I have a Google Doc. So I have a Google Doc for both the Detroit Bad Boys podcast and for the Pistons versus Everybody podcast. I don't use the same Google Doc because I feel like that'd be weird. Ben gets to see what's in the, the Detroit Bad Boys Google Doc. And so like, you know, he can edit it and make changes and we, we can like go back and forth about it. Um, like, but... You know, for the Pistons versus everyone, it's usually just me or it's me interviewing a guest or it's me and a guest. And it's me and, you know, a couple of guests on uh, doing their own podcast for a team or whatever. And so, like, I need to script that out for myself. And so I just I usually just do that. Um, But for this episode, I have not done that because I again, 
am having trouble figuring out what I want to talk about uh, with this team. And so, like, yeah, this this one is going to be uh, decidedly less formal. Uh, we're we're going to see how that goes. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to go, but um, we'll we'll see. So the first thing I want to talk about was was Killian, obviously, because it is apparent to everyone that Killian is not the same player he was in the first seven games of the season, and it shouldn't have been the expectation that he was going to suck forever, and although it is entirely too early to take any sort of victory lap, uh, my like sh- my running shoes are on, I got like my, my spikes in and everything, and I'm like backing into the uh, starting blocks, right? Like I'm, I'm prepared to take the victory lap, but like the, we, we haven't started like actually running yet, but yeah, man, Killian's been good. Killian's been good against, uh, bad teams and eh, against better teams, which is reasonable expectation for a 19 year old point guard. Um, you, you have to enjoy the way that he is starting to kind of learn and intuit and absorb the fact that at 6'5", he's going to be bigger than a lot of the dudes guarding him. You could really see this in the Cleveland game where um, they had Garland on him for most of the uh, like first two-thirds of the fourth quarter. And he was just like, wait, I'm three inches taller than this guy. He like can't stop me. And so he would get into the lane and make stuff happen from there. Uh, and then uh, Cleveland was forced to put Isaac Okoro, their best perimeter defender, the best perimeter defender on their team was on Killian Hayes uh, to close that game out. And that opened it up things for Josh Jackson that Josh Jackson took advantage of um, in ways that made me a little scared. But he did manage to take advantage of them. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, so Killian is officially becoming problematic for other teams. He's still shooting, I believe. I think if you take out the Knicks game where he was over everything, that was, that was his first game back. Remember against the Knicks, the Knicks scored like 80 points in the first quarter. It was like 80 to three in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, take that game out. And I think Killian shooting 25% from three, still not great. Um, and looking at all of his shots since his return, which I did yesterday, uh, most of his threes seem either long or short to me and more of them seem short than long right like infamously the the last minute heave against the clippers was short um and and when his shots are are long they're usually the result of him like trying to be like i'm definitely not gonna shoot this short <laughs> and so he shoots it long but uh yeah so you would obviously like him to figure the shooting out but i'm starting to believe that that will come with time, and that will come with more physical development. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a story in ESPN or SI or The Athletic, some somewhere in the offseason, but it was about Damian Lillard and how Damian Lillard has uh, extended his range, right? Like, we now see, like, you know, Dame and Steph shooting half-court shots with, like, good, with half-decent form. Um, from pulling up from half court in all-star games because like that's how far they've extended their range to and he was just talking about the the off-season process and the off-season work that he's done over the last you know five six years in order to build his body out where he can shoot 
those shots without much effort. And he talked and like you would think that it would be like, oh, I'm, you know, really strong upper body in order to get the shots off easily, um, you know, strong in the arms to, to get the ball out. And it's like, no, it's actually his core. Right. He shoots them. <laughs> he shoots the 30 footers with his abs. <laughs> right. Which is weird to think about. But um, but like I've always just kind of and I, I so I read that story and I internalized that as uh, something I look for in, in future guards, like how strong they are in the core and how that might kind of affect their uh, their future shooting motions or their their future ability to to shoot. And so, like, that's something I think Killian will definitely have to work on um, his core muscles his like when I, uh, like his his and his like, you know, he had the he had the hip injury. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't great for like his quads and his calves. Um, and so I think that with a full off season, you know, dedicated to the thought that like, Hey, I need to shoot um, at least three off the dribble threes every night to open up the uh, de- to like open up the fact that defenses want to play over and on me, which will help me get downhill, which will help me like pry open passing lanes um, you know, helping me, helping defenses like not go under on me or, you know, having the ability to punish defenses for going under on me and having to break their scheme. Uh, I think with, with a full offseason to kind of like plan around that, I think we'll see a improvement from Killian Hayes as a shooter. He has not missed a free throw or he's, has he, I don't think he's missed a free throw since he's been back, but he's only shot like six or eight, right? It's been a very low number of free throws we, we got really excited on monday against cleveland right because he shot two free throws out of a half court set because he tried to finish with his right hand which is just like three things that people were worried about with killian like all coming together in one possession that was really impressive um but yeah the so the while so i'm not long-term concerned about the shot and everything else has started to come together right we've seen the we've seen the the easy passes right we've seen like hey here's a you know here's i'm gonna take two dribbles the help's gonna collapse i'm gonna kick it to frank jackson it's a three it's like okay cool we've seen some of them like the slightly more advanced stuff like hey um i'm gonna uh, pick and roll i'm gonna uh like i'm gonna snake the pick and roll real quick get the big engaged lob it over isaiah hartenstein's head to isaiah stewart for a dunk it's like that's great and then we see, then like we see the highlight stuff, right? Where it's like I'm gonna throw a two bounce, sixty foot outlet pass to Sadiq Bay for a transition layup, and then after the game, be like, I didn't think that was a risky pass. Like I don't throw risky passes. I only throw passes I think I can make. And it's like that's some true Patrick Mahomes shit if I've ever heard it in my life. But yeah, uh, Killian's gonna be good. <laughs> Killian's gonna be real, real good, and we should all be encouraged by that second thing i want to talk about was isaiah stewart so i have to be honest about isaiah stewart with myself and that means being honest with isaiah stewart uh, honest about isaiah stewart with you guys and that is that like as much as i like isaiah stewart he does not aesthetically fit my priors of like what i wanted out of a center and you guys have seen me, if you've read my Twitter feed, you've seen me bring up, like, Kai Jones and Isaiah Jackson. And th- I'm going to talk about those two dudes because those two dudes are going to be good. But um, just as, like, as centers who can 
elevate rapidly in space, giving Killian like a lob threat to make him even more dangerous in the pick and roll. Like that is, and with the potential to be, you know, classic uh, drop and recover rim protectors. Um, like that has been like the my ideal image of like what this team is going to be built like, right? Like that's the that's the key behind kind of Evan Mobley as well, right? Like Evan Mobley has the the ability to to act as like a, a a rim protector and when i when i think about a future like really awesome iteration of the pistons team it's you know killian hayes is um you know like a 20 and 9 guy on great efficiency and um and like controlling the game it's it's a guy like evan mobley or another like lob threat that Killian operates with in the pick and roll, who also anchors the defense. And then it's like three Sadiq Bays that surround that core, right? It's like Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, who is a better version of Sadiq Bay, but uh, at in Denver did a lot of the Sadiq Bay stuff and would probably do a lot more stuff on this Pistons team, but like, you know, just as a versatile 6'8 defensive guy. And then like your third Sadiq Bay. You haven't found a third Sadiq Bay yet, right? Like Josh Jackson and uh, Hamadou Diallo. Could could one day be Sadiq Bay's, but uh, neither one of those guys is the consistent outside shooter, or the um, non-gambly team defender. Hami is really disappointed me as a team defender. Um, I think that I'm I'm hoping that you know when he gets uh, less injured, he'll be much better on that end than he has uh, has been since he like kind of settled in and in, into his rotation role. And Josh Jackson is just uh, Josh Jackson kind of is who he is on that end. the The improvements you're hoping from from Josh Jackson come offensively, not necessarily defensively. But yeah, Killian, Evan Mobley, three CD Bays. Like that's that that's your starting lineup. Um, and like Isaiah Stewart did not fit my idea of that because he's just like this bulldog sitting in the lane. Um, you know, carving out space and, and deep seals for post-ups, you know, blocking people, but like blocking people by just not letting them get any power into their shot. He bought, he blocked, he had a block against Moses Brown against OKC. Moses Brown is like, I think quite literally five, six inches taller than he is with, you know, uh, similar length of arms. And Stewart like blocked the ball out of his hands before he even got it to the rim it's just like because Moses Brown never had his balance because Isaiah Stewart was just putting his body into him the entire time. It's like, man, like, it's really weird. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart's so effective, and none of it is aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> okay, that's not true. The jumper is aesthetically pleasing, right? You, I do like the fact that Stewart has become a much better three-point shooter than we expected uh this rapidly right like we got the we got the the reports not the reports but we got the visuals from uh the beat writers you know watching these guys warm up is like hey isaiah stewart can kind of shoot it like maybe that'll, that'll be a thing in like three years and like nope it's a thing this year um i do wish he was more aggressive looking for his shot there will be times when like they'll be playing like another they'll be playing a drop system right and he'll he'll be looking for dho's to uh to like keep the motion offense going and his main will be just like sitting underneath the free throw line and it's like isaiah just like pull man just like take take another step and a half back and just pull that and make them come out to get you but 
I understand why he's more comfortable off the catch instead of like off the dribble at this point. And, and so I understand like why he's not doing it. But I think that that's going to be a really important part of what makes him an offensive threat or what makes him like a starting level offensive threat in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I got to I got to apologize. I got to apologize to Isaiah Stewart for keep for the fact that I keep trying to find guys who I want to play center instead of him while also still suggesting guys that I want to play center instead of him. Not in like not in a demeaning way to him, right? Just in like a my brain can't handle <laughs> the idea that this six eight dude with a seven four wingspan is gonna be the starting center on your, you know, playoff caliber second round hopeful team in like three years, right? On the other hand, right, uh I was reading the Detroit Bad Boys comments today and one of the more infamous commentators, uh Brian Tucker Hill was saying that like if if you put a mental ceiling on like what Isaiah Stewart is capable of, like that's on you, not him because he's already so far blown out of the water. What we expected out of him, uh, coming into his career. And so like, you know, that should be an indication that like, you should just take the top off and it's just like, whatever he ends up doing, just like let that happen. And like, don't try and fit him into your preconceived notions. And that really spoke to me because, that's basically where I'm at, right? He's blown everything I expected out of him out of the water. And so it's, it's, I want to apologize to Isaiah Stewart again for, for trying to find guys that um, fit my priors more than he does instead of properly appreciating what he's doing for this Pistons team and what he's hopefully going to continue doing for this Pistons team uh, for years to come. Um, That said, yeah, yeah, start Isaiah Stewart. Like it's, um, I don't know if Mason Plumlee is going to be mad about that. Um, you could probably trade. You probably get away with trading Mason Plumlee this offseason. Stewart, Stewart's been that good, right? That you could probably get away with trading Mason Plumlee this offseason. Um, another team would be like, eh, Mason Plumlee, two years, uh, what's he make? Like 80 year, two years, 16 million left. That's not bad. And it's not, right? Mason Plumlee's been pretty good this year for the Pistons. But if Isaiah Stewart uh, needs to start. Like, yeah, you can bring in someone at four mil instead of eight mil and, and be better off capitalized uh, to just start Isaiah Stewart. So, yeah, that that's what's up with uh, with Stewart. He's really good and he's really good in ways that continue to just like confound me, but are no less uh, apparent to me that he's really good. If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements, or else you don't pay. 
Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's the next thing? See, I told you guys, like, I don't, I didn't plan anything. Follow, oh, following in the draft, following in the draft. Okay, so a lot of concern from Twitter, from the subreddit, from uh, I don't, I won't, I won't say Pistons Facebook because I'm not really a part of Pistons Facebook, and I don't really know what's going on on Pistons Facebook. Shout out to Pistons Facebook, um, but like the people I know, just like random people I know who follow the Pistons, uh, right, are. They're either like mad the team sucks so much. That was this is the case. This is my stepdad and my father in law. Um, we had my father. We had my parents in law over to our house for um, the like a weekend ago because we got the second shot of our vaccine and they were helping us out around the house. Um, and he was. We were watching the Washington game, and he was just like, "This is the sorriest basketball team I've ever seen in my entire life," and it's really hard to argue with him that this team doesn't suck <laughs> right it's it's really hard to be like no i like you they've got these young dudes who are intriguing it's just like but russell westbrook just dunked on them and it's like yeah no yeah you kind of got a point so yeah um where was i going oh but the the other sense is that this team is too good to be bad enough to secure a high draft pick which is fair I suppose, but not like it puts me in a weird position because prior to the season, my thought process was uh, like this team is not going to be worst in the league bad. They've got Blake Griffin, who is presumably, you know, we hope is 100 percent. Even if he's 80 percent, that's enough to make them not the worst team in the league. This team's got Derrick Rose. This team's got Jeremy Grant, who we uh, think is going to be really good. We don't know how good yet. Um, they signed Mason Plumley. Like they're they're trying to not. It's like they they're trying really hard to not be terrible, right? And so they will achieve the goal of not being terrible. Well, uh, and for a long time they they were actually objectively awful. Blake was a big part of that. Uh, Derek Rose was a smaller but not insignificant part of that. The inability for anybody to create their own shot, not named Jeremy Grant, is still a big part of that but you know less of an issue now with you know Derek and Blake off the roster and so yeah it's just like the Pistons but in the meat like but in the meantime they managed to be they managed to win a bunch of games and beat a bunch of teams that they perhaps shouldn't have beaten um, but I think a bigger factor for the Pistons was that other teams just had like super crappy years right Houston Houston lost, what, 20 games? Did they make it to 20? They lost 19, 20 games in a row or something like that. Remember, Steven Silas is, you know, going gray down in Houston. And I'm, you know, reminding him people that I told his agent and is like, if you don't, (laughs) I told agents is like, if you like your client, don't let them take that Houston job. And I told Steven Silas not to take that Houston job and it's not working out for him. Um, You know, obviously the, the Timberwolves got 
kind of, they got kind of like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has obviously had like a very rough personal year. Um, the team just hasn't not has like, they weren't where they were supposed to be for a long time. Part of that was due to the head coach. They made the head coach switch, which I think has been pretty good for them and worked out for them. Um, but you know, and that took, you know, 40 games, 30 games. It took, it took a long time to the point where like they're already too far in the hole to, to not, you know, see this thing through your Orlando magic trade away. All three of their best play, their their best three. Well, okay, I guess first they lose uh, first in the bubble. They lose Isaac to an ACL, then they lose Markel Fultz to an ACL, and then they just like okay, screw it, and they pull the ripcord and they trade their other three good NBA players, and like now they're bad, right? Um, OKC shuts down their best player, who is having an All Star caliber year, by the way. Like Shea was, Shea could have been an All Star this year in the West. Oklahoma City, despite that bad team, um, and they shut down Al Horford, and they start, you know, three G League dudes. Pokashevsky's out there, like with a twenty-eight usage percentage and everything, and they've lost like eleven, ten or eleven in a row at this point, I think. And so, like, you know, the Pistons aren't trying to do that, and that leads us back to where I was at the beginning of the season. Which was like, hey, even if the, like I think this Pistons team is bad, I don't think they're worst in the league bad, which is borne out. Um, but the NBA has altered the lottery odds so that teams who are not worst in the league bad still have a pretty good shot of moving up to like one, two, or three. Um, not the same chances as moving up to, or not the same chances like uh, as the the teams who finish the bottom three. But still, like, a, a pretty good chance. I could pull the odds up if I wanted to, but I don't. Um, like, I, you know, you point to the, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans both winning 33 games in the John Morant Zion year and finishing 1-2. Uh, I point to the Phoenix Suns winning 19 games that year and, fin- and picking 6th, which is just, like, if uh, if they hadn't signed Chris Paul, it would probably be, like, a really, really bad sign for them. Um and so, like, yeah, we're we're back in that that zone, right? Where it's you're you're hoping that the flattened lottery odds make it more likely, make it less likely that the Pistons are like just like completely locked out of a top three slot. Um, of course, the the converse of that is that the Pistons right now are I think they're I think right now the third worst team, so they could fall to seven. If they if Orlando keeps this up, it could probably fall to like eight, which would be really rough. Falling to eight in a five player draft is that's bad. That's that's no bueno. Um, yeah. So that, that's so that's not it's not outside the realm of the possibility. But the Pistons have eighteen wins and are currently the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're tied with Orlando for the being the worst team in the Eastern Conference, and then Cleveland is uh, like two and a half games ahead of them. So if you look at the Pistons' schedule, the only winnable games they have left on the schedule are actually so Saturday against the Pacers. The Pacers are really banged up. I don't know if you guys saw, Miles Turner uh, like broke something in his foot, and so he's out for a while, and the, the Pacers have just been in rough uh, shape from a health uh, standpoint. So that game is probably more winnable than it would normally be, but the Pacers are still a better team than the Pistons. Um, 
the Pistons play the Magic on Monday, May 3rd. It's obviously a big game from a tanking perspective. And then they play the Timberwolves on May 11th. And that's those are really the only three games the, the Pistons like should win. or Those are the only three games I would expect the Pistons to have a chance at winning in the next, uh, like, f- again, 14, 15 games, right? Like, the Hawks, they should lose that game. Mavericks, tonight, they should lose that game. Spurs, they should lose that game. Uh, the Hornets. The Hornets, LaMelo Ball is going to be back by the time the Pistons play the Hornets t- uh, twice in four days. Uh, twice in, yeah, twice in, yeah, twice in four nights. Um, and so, like, the Hornets should, that like, that'll be a fun matchup between LaMelo and Killian. LaMelo and Killian will get that matchup. But the Hornets should definitely win those games, right? The the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies absolutely need to keep winning to stay out of the muck uh, in the Western Conference. Um, they play the Nuggets, uh, the second to last game of the season. Like, maybe the Nuggets are resting guys at that point. But um, yeah, you, if, uh, maybe if they if they if they rest like say they rest like Jokic and Aaron Gordon like Michael Porter Jr. If Jeremy Grant doesn't play, is still like going to be the best player on the floor, and so you should still lose that game. So like the Pistons have 18 wins right now, and they should really only win maybe like three games the rest of the way, right? Three four games that would put them at 22 wins, which for now is like good enough to be bottom three in terms of odds uh in in the lottery right you know the uh the wolves the wolves won last night against sacramento i actually stayed up and watched that game that was a half that was a pretty fun game the wolves have 16 wins right they're they're four and six in their last 10 games right that the wolves are still the wolves are trying to build something in order to like keep a like keep Carl Anthony Towns happy, um, B you know keep D'Angelo Russell happy. D'Angelo Russell's coming off the bench now. I'm not entirely sure. And like C, they're trying to you know build stuff with Chris Finch, the the new head coach. Uh, he's trying to prove himself. They're still trying. They're still trying to win some games. They're trying to uh, you know get some some uh, reach up and like snap up snap some people toward the ends of the uh, this season. And so like I don't think it's I don't think it's likely the the wolves and the pistons play each other. I think that might help, but I don't think it's like I don't think it's crazy to think that the wolves could end up with the same or uh, more wins than the pistons. It would just take a lot of effort on the pistons part, which I think is going to happen. We've seen them start to do this right any any time they play the thunder, or um, they did it against Sacramento as well. Like just most of the vets aren't going to play that night. Totally fine. Like I, there's a, like there's like a 2% chance we see Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee play that magic game on the third, right? Like, like, no, there's no reason to play Jeremy Grant against the magic. Um, there's like a 2% chance we see Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee play that game against the Timberwolves. Right. Um, a couple of these, uh, these like the the Magic game is actually the first game of a back to back. Like if you really want to lose that game, like just don't play Killian, right? Like play Killian against the Hornets instead of the Magic, and then like all of a sudden it's like the 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 Saban Lee and Dennis Smith Jr. show again, and it's like yeah, you should, that that's enough to lose that game. And so like yeah, I'm 
I'm not nearly as worried as everyone else about what's going to happen with the Pistons in the lottery just because it's so far out of my control. But I will say I don't think the Pistons are like doing a terrible job of, of doing what they can to, to set themselves up to be in good good position uh, in the lottery. And so like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of fear, and I would say don't be so fearful. Like what whatever will be will be. I have a so I have a sign uh, above my office. Uh, it's like one of those like you know the the Etsy things. The, and that's not like the Etsy chalkboard, but it's like an ex, it's like a felt board that comes with like letters that you push pin like into them to like make the sayings or whatever. I got one of those. My wife got it for me for the office. Um, normally they say like live, laugh, love and stuff. Mine does not say, mine does not say that mine says this too shall pass, which is just a reminder that, you know, the, the good days get worse and the bad days get better. Um, like, like this, this waiting period prior to the lottery will pass and we will know one day where the Pistons are selecting and we'll be able to go from there. So like, just don't worry about it so much. Like in the meantime, there's not really a whole, whole lot you can do. So yeah, I'll just quit worrying about it so much. It's, it's healthier that way. Okay. Last but not least, uh, I, I tweeted a list of dudes in the 2021 draft. I like, and, uh, earlier today and people were a little confused by the formatting, which I guess is understandable. I didn't really explain it. And I thought it was self-explanatory, and that was probably my mistake. I should have just sat down and tweeted and explained like what was going on. Um, so these are it's just like a bunch of guys. I've I've started my like initial pass at you know the entire college uh, like draft schedule, especially given that like the Pistons have you know three second-round picks for the time being. You want to see what the Pistons do with those second round picks, how the second round picks end up going. Um, it was like, so I've started to just like, okay, who are, who are some of these guys that like, I think the Pistons should draft who would fit, who would fit some spaces. And some people were like, Hey, like what about X and Y? And it wasn't like, Oh, I don't like X and Y. It was more like, uh, like X and Y is not on the list. It doesn't mean I don't like him. It just means like, this is, these are the dudes I, I like really like, or these, yeah, these these are just these are the dudes I'm I'm watching and I'm like oh hey like that guy's cool I like I like watching this guy play I think he'd be a good fit um, that doesn't mean the dude that's not listed on here would be bad um, a couple of people brought up like Moses Moody and like James Bonite and like those guys would be perfectly fine Moses Moody is very Sadiq Bay ish I tweeted this Moses Moses Moody would be like just if we're again we're talking about Killian Evan Mobley and three Sadiq Bays. Like Moses Moody, if you you could you know finagle it so that you get you know Mobley and Moody, that would get you a long way to that that lineup of Killian Hayes, Evan Mobley, and, and three Sadiq Bays. Um, where was I going? Oh yeah, but Moses Moody is not on the list. Uh, oh, and Bonite, Bonite would be a nice scorer, but uh, I worry that he's actually like six three and that he's going to be like Malik. Malik Monkish and Malik is having a nice year this year for Charlotte. There's a very nice profile of him in the ringer by Pablo Ugetti. I hope I'm pronouncing Pablo's name right. Um, about like, you know, what, how, what he's been through, um, like mentally 
as a human being um, during during COVID, prior to COVID, just as a guy who was you know consistently in trade rumors and not performing as much as the the front office would like, and how that how that weighed on him and what he did to resolve it. It's got a great picture of his dog, and so like yeah, those. I encourage check that story out about Malik Monk, but I say all that to say like I don't want to draft another Malik Monk because it's working for him in Charlotte this year. He's like having a, a very nice year for them, and he's like he's shooting over forty percent from three, but he's still like coming off the bench because like ultimately that's his best role in the, in the NBA is bench score. And like I don't want to take a bench score with a presumable top five pick. I I just don't. Um, and so like these, so this list of guys is, is like, I don't, I don't know if the Pistons are going to, you know, combine these second round picks to try and move back into the first round and take another guy. Um, I don't know if the Pistons are going to, if they really truly believe in their scouting, they could uh, trade some future first to get into this year's draft to take some of these guys. If they think they're going to be good in like 2024. I can see how um, they, oh wait, no, they're, they're limited because of that Houston pick, the Ariza deal. Ooh, I forgot about that. Anyway, that, okay, so that kind of ruins that. But I think like if they if they find a way to move up uh, or take it, you know, grab another first round pick. Um, like I think these are some names that could be at that slot or just like second rounders. But again, like these are just guys I like. This is not like anything specific. These are guys I think are going to be good NBA players, and so like I'll be kind of rooting for them uh, wherever they end up. Uh, we already talked about Isaiah Jackson and Kai Jones. I So Isaiah Jackson is a Michigan native. That's really cool. You can jump real high. That's real cool. Blocks a lot of shots. Blocked a lot of jumpers, um, which is something you don't see every day. That's like a Mitchell Robinson, Anthony Davis thing. That lets you know a guy has a special, uh, a special level of length and uh, quickness and like ability to get off the ground really quickly. Um, that you don't, you don't see every day. So I, I, I enjoyed seeing that. Um, and Kai Jones, like, okay. So Kai Jones is, I think Kai Jones is my, my version of Pokashevsky this year, where there were a lot of people who were very into Pokashevsky because he just like did stuff on a basketball court that guys, his height don't normally do. And um, and Kai Jones does a, some of those same things. Kai Jones is not nearly like the passer that Pokashevsky is, right? Like, I think, and I think passing was what, what the big thing that was like a big flashing sign that says like this guy is a really high basketball IQ and he'll be able to figure things out. But like Kai Jones will grab a rebound, go coast to coast, and finish with a euro. Um, he did it against Oklahoma State, and it's like six eleven guys don't normally do that in college right kai jones will get uh, he'll pick and pop he'll get the ball he'll jab step and he'll take a three and like six eleven guys don't normally do that in college and then he'll just do like normal big man stuff it's like okay here's kai jones like crashing from the corner um like and just getting the ball on a high low and dunking and like that's normal big man stuff, but like six eleven guys don't move that fast from the corner, and also like six eleven guys don't get guarded in the corner unless they can shoot, and he kind of can, and so teams actually put people out there for him to for him to blow past, and then it's like oh here's and then it's just like oh here's he he's catching a lob, and it's like he's jumping real high, 
Just like he's just an a height wingspan athletic freak. And like if the Pistons fall out of the top five, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't take the, like the gin- the ginormous swing and take Kai Jones, right? Again, this this kind of goes back to the the beef stew conversation we had twenty minutes ago, right? Like it was like you don't really value beef stew. You're going to spend a top five pick. Or you're going to spend okay, not a top by definition, not a top five pick. You're going to spend like a top seven pick on a center after you spent the 16th pick on a center last year and maybe those guys can play together maybe they can't um but it's like yeah man just just shut up and watch just shut up and watch this dude dunk on everybody <laughs> like do you do you see this guy dunking and do you see him shooting like 35 percent from three and he clearly doesn't even have like his mechanics all the way figured out. You see how fast he runs? You see how tall he is? You see how high he jumps? Like just just draft that dude and like figure the rest out later instead of like Moses Moody or um who's somebody else who I like but like wouldn't want the Pistons to take. Uh or instead of like Scotty Barnes, right? Scotty Barnes is going to be a great NBA player for some other team. But on this team, on this, on the future Pistons team that I want to see, like, give me Kai Jones over Scotty Barnes, like, 10 times out of 10. So, yeah, it's just like, get, and just, just imagine Killian Hayes throwing lobs to that guy when they have to respect the three-point shot. It's just like, just imagine a little bit how much fun that would be. So, yeah, just let me have that. Um, so, yeah, Kai Jones is on the list. And then uh, Yves Pons from Tennessee, similar thing. He's like, is like, he's like a beef stew could jump, right? Like, he's shorter and stockier and he's like six seven six eight instead of like you know six eleven seven feet tall but he can really jump he that dude is fun and like that that's probably an undrafted free agent or a second round guy um that guy's not going to be a first rounder but he can whoo he can jump so like yeah just jumpy jump guys um next up on the list is like just bucket getters right cam thomas a lot of people mentioned cam thomas to me kid from lsu um I did. I learned Cam Thomas is a DMV guy. So Troy Weaver definitely knows who Cam Thomas is. Whether or not he's interested, I don't know, but he definitely knows who Cam Thomas is. Uh, scored a bunch of buckets on Michigan in the tournament. People were like, "Whoa, who's this kid?" And yeah, that's what he does. He gets buckets. He don't do nothing else, but he gets buckets, and that'd be fun. Uh, ben Ben Math uh, Benedict Mathurin Mathurin. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Um, he falls under this rubric that Brian Schrader and PD Webb have talked about uh, fairly recently in draft Twitter, where it's like, this kid has the makings of a lottery pick in 2022, and that means you should draft him in 2021 in like the 30s, because then you have, because then in 2022, you have two lottery picks instead of one it was like it, it's like a whole it's a pre they're calling it the pre-draft it's like a whole philosophical thing but basically like promising dudes who show promise as freshmen um so that they don't come back so they don't go back to school and raise their stock to a point where you can't draft them anymore is like you should you should just do that instead of like you know getting the asset Instead of like making the asset inaccessible to you, you should just you know secure the asset. And he falls under that. 
pretty good shooter um attacks the rim well i think he was 40 he was 50 40 90 for a time i don't know if he finished the year 50 40 90 um six seven like checks all the boxes right i would i would love if the pistons found a way to to pick that guy up i think he's gonna be really good zaire williams is another guy zaire williams came in with a lot of promise at the uh, a lot of like fanfare at the beginning of the season then he got hurt and then he like he had that giant knee brace remember he had this like giant knee brace and it's just like what is wrong with him and they're like oh yeah he's fine he's playing and it's like uh, i don't know but okay um and then he had the then he took the knee brace off and he looked slightly better yada 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 um and he looks so good when he's just like six eight rise and firing over people in the pac 12 his when his shot goes in it looks so beautiful and then if you watch him do almost anything else just like has this kid played basketball before right now his stock is falling um he was considered like a top 10 pick now i think he's a top 20 pick um and so if he if he continues to fall with some more bad workouts or something um that would be an interesting value play again and a similar thing to to ben and take uh, Matthias. uh bj boston similar thing uh i'd I, I don't know if BJ Boston is a victim of the quote unquote Cal clamps. The the Cal clamps are our reference to John Calipari um, putting like a huge limiting factor on what his guards are allowed to do at Kentucky. And then when that limiting factor is removed from them, they show out in the NBA. And so I was just like looking at Kentucky guards. Cause like, hopefully the, those guys are going to be better than they showed in college. Um, like yeah, BJ Boston kind of fits under that, but also just had a, a rough year and has a lot of uh, physical development I think left to go. That's also kind of similar to Desire Williams and that the physical development still has a way to go. So it's like yeah, go like try those guys. You know those are those are worthy swings. Not in again like not in the top seven. Not with their seven. Not with the you know not if the Pistons fall in the lottery, but like you know just guys I'll be interested in uh, to see if anything happens. Um, there's some other guys like Josh Giddy is a guy people brought up to me. I like Josh Giddy, but I wonder about his scoring ability. He's like six eight Tyrese Halliburton instead of six 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 five Tyrese Halliburton. Pretty interesting. Also, like can't score around the rim and is uh like painfully young. But there's a lot of that. There's a lot of uh there there. There's Usman Garuba, uh, who plays for Real Madrid. Is just like who I think it was. One of the Detroit Bad Boys members described him as like, uh, like, like Pascal Siakam and John Wick. Whereas, like, if you if you killed Pascal Siakam's dog, like that's what that's who Garuba is. <laughs> it's like he just plays really hard, right? He he plays with a similar level of like of Isaiah Stewart, like fervor and and energy and effort that you really like to see. And so, like having having two of those guys, I do kind of wonder. I, like, I do wonder just, like, again, from a offensive versatility position, like, what, what that would look like. But if both of those guys can shoot and they always play like their hair is on fire, like, sure. Yeah, no, that seems really interesting. Um, and then there's Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who is a guy, is a Villanova wing. So it's like, oh, he's a Villanova wing. He's prepackaged to come in and make a difference right away. He's uh, Mikael Bridges. He's Sadiq Bey. It's like, no, he's like... A Villanova wing, but he's also like Paul Millsap. It's like it's he's just a really funky dude to watch play basketball. But I think he's good, 
right? I think he's good, and I think he helps you win games, but it's really hard for me to classify him, like, positionally. Like, he just does a bunch of stuff that helps you win games, and that's so unhelpful from, like, a statistical and a scouting perspective, but it's just, like, just, just, like, plop yourself in front of a TV and, like, watch him watch him play and you're just like wow that guy's doing whatever they need and it's like yeah he's pretty good uh he's he is like really falling though uh he was maybe gonna be he was maybe gonna be like a top 35 guy last year now uh with the with another year under his belt and kind of not showing the three-point improvement i think that teams wanted to see it's entirely possible he's like a top 40 guy. And so it's like, yeah, you could – Pistons have three second-round picks. Two of them are going to be in that range, like 35 to 43-ish. It's like he would be another, like, interesting, funky player in the mold of, uh, like, a Tyler Cook, right? So, like, yeah, that would be an interesting guy. And then I had, like, you know, Aaron Henry, Jared Butler, Isaiah Todd, just as, like, guys who I think are going to be – like 10-year vets, just like role players. Aaron, we all know and love Aaron Henry. Um, Isaiah Todd, just like come in, be a stretch four, rebound the basketball, shoot some threes, like, you know, not get in the way in a way that I think that, you know, he people were fearful. It's like, oh, he's going with the G League Ignite. He thinks he's a big shot. He's, you know, leaving Michigan. He thinks he's going to make a trillion dollars or whatever. And it's just like, you know, he just he went to the, he went to the G League and found a role for himself and played pretty well in that role. It's like that speaks well of his ability to do that at the NBA level if we're being pretty honest. But I was like, yeah, I would take a chance on that guy. Uh, and then Jared Butler. Uh, Jared Butler, the the other Baylor guard, the better Baylor guard, the younger Baylor guard. He just seems like a he seems like a, in my head, I think of like Monte Morris as like the, the quintessential like solid backup point guard who could also start um, who makes you better, but not that much better. Not like super better, just just better. Um, for like a, so it's like that's Monte Morris for a long time. That was like DJ Augustine. Even he as as he was starting in Orlando and other places, he was making them better, but not like amazing. And so it's like yeah, Jared Butler could totally do that uh, at the NBA level for ten years. And DJ Augustine has been in the NBA for a long ass time. You can make a lot of money. Not like you know, it's not like you know LeBron money, but like you know, you make a good career doing that um other guys oh then the last couple of guys on that list were david johnson and trey Mann. both of those dudes are just six five point guards who don't have like a singular elite skill but are six five and like competent ball handlers and competent shooters and competent offense runners and it's like if you're if you're gonna have a process where you don't take anyone under six three is like those are worthy swings, right? Like I, I like both of those guys. Johnson is a lot lower on boards than Trey Man, and I don't really get why they seem they seem like very similar players to me in terms of like uh, you know 80th percentile outcome. But you know we'll see where where it ends up going. But yeah, the, like so those are those are all guys like I will keep an eye on. I don't think the Pistons are going to draft any of them. I'm not even clamoring for the Pistons to draft all of them, right? Like the Pistons drafted uh, Jared Butler. It would just be like, really? Like another another point guard? Like we're going to, it's like, okay, like by like Saban's going to fight with that guy. Like we know Dennis Smith Jr. is gone or whatever. Um, 
you know, it's like Corey Joseph is probably gone. It's like we kind of need another veteran point guard in here in case Killian like screws up again. But like, not a Corey Joseph veteran, like a better veteran than than Corey Joseph. And so it's like, but we're gonna also throw like Saban Lee in a developmental role and Jared Butler in a developmental role. It's like, eh. It's like I don't really know about that. Like I don't really know about that one. But like I like him. That and I think he would be. I think he's gonna be a good NBA player. So it's like, eh. But I don't know if he fits per se, right? And he's not. He's not good enough to break the fit. And so like that's why. I was just like, but I'm but I'm keeping an eye on him. And I like his game. And so like that's that's the list, right? The list is not dudes I want the Pistons to do everything in their power to draft. It's not like these are the, you know, fifteen players who are gonna make or break the two thousand twenty one NBA class. It's just like I've I've watched I've started my film watching process. I've watched uh, you know, maybe like 30 guys at this point uh, to a point where I feel like decent about any of them. And it's like, these are some dudes who was like, like, Hey, that'd be fun. I would, I would enjoy, I enjoy some of their stylings. Right. But uh, yeah, but but Kai Jones, like if you get, if you Pistons fall seven, they should definitely like, I'd rather, I'd much, much rather have Kai Jones than like Scotty Barnes or Moses Moody or Franz Wagner or some of the other guys you see in that, in that range. Oh, and Jalen Johnson, I watched, I watched like, I watched a couple of things on Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson is just a, that's a, that's a weird NBA player, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's a problem. I know there's a whole Duke thing. I don't know if he's a problem in the locker room. There's the IMG thing. I don't know like what kind of person he is per se. Like it's all hearsay. Like I have no primary sources on like how hard he works or what kind of person he is. But like just his, just his game is just like, that's a really funky NBA player and like he'll be an NBA player right because he's six eight and can walk and chew gum and dribble at the same time but like what what his like what his maximum outcome is like I, I don't know man that's a that's a weird one oh man we're at oh crap we're at 50 minutes I did not expect that uh yeah we should probably end Okay, so the you, you see the problem. You see the problem of not scheduling out these podcasts to within an inch of their life. They go long, and it's just me rambling. Like I talked about talking about Usman Garuba for forty five seconds or whatever. Like you, I didn't yeah, kind of plan that, but like you know, it's not the most cleanest uh, podcast discussion I've ever had in my entire life. That said, uh, you should still keep listening to this podcast. Uh, you can do that on. You know, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, Podcast, Podcast Addict, which is the podcast app for Android that I use, which uses the uh, iTunes search engine. And so, like, that's why I like it. Um, it's like, yeah, this is, this has been the Pistons versus Everybody podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. And we will talk to you guys in two weeks. Remember, going, going bi weekly every other week not every week every other week and we'll see how long that lasts as well off season might get a little uh what's the word like stayed like where not a lot is happening yeah off season not a lot might not a lot is happening if the podcast goes on like a four-week hiatus you guys won't kill me anyway (laughs) thanks thanks for listening talk to you in two weeks